Welcome to the Emotional Intelligence Podcast hosted by Nadia Alfertassi, founder of Thrive with EQ. Join us as we explore the world of emotional intelligence and learn how to build stronger, more resilient workplaces through higher levels of emotional intelligence. With two decades of experience in the world's largest security organization, Nadia brings a unique perspective and invaluable insights to the table. Her mission is to help businesses break down silos, build bridges, and create a culture of emotional intelligence that fosters well-being of employees, builds strong leadership, and ultimately drives business success. By learning how to manage emotions, communicate effectively, and foster a positive work environment, you can improve productivity, reduce turnover, and build a team that's happy, healthy, and motivated. So whether are you looking to enhance your own emotional intelligence or create a culture of emotional intelligence within your organization, you're in the right place. Get ready to thrive with EQ. Today, we'll be looking at the human factor of reducing cyber risk, specifically, again, in the financial services sector. I got a unanimous challenge by a chief information security officer who works in the financial services sector. And his challenge is that he, although he believes in emotional intelligence, in the human factor leadership and using it to reduce cyber risk, he has trouble convincing the chief information officer because he reports to the CIO and not to the CEO and also the CEO in this case. Both believe, according to, let's call him John, according to John, both believe that anything to do with soft skills is under the portfolio or responsibility of human resources and that cybersecurity awareness training should be purely focused on technical mitigation measures because when it comes to business disruption or ensuring business continuity, that is done through different trainings. Although he likes and he's been following what I do, thank you, John, he has trouble convincing others, and especially the CIO and CEO in this case. Now, that said, let's dive right into it. I'm going to do it a bit differently again today. In subsequent episodes, demonstrate how you can use the EQ Elevator to implement some of the emotional intelligence strategies that I will be discussing in specific scenarios. So I'm going to keep it practical today. I always try to keep it practical today, but what I meant is I'm going to share four case studies or scenarios that the financial services can resonate with and then share specific EQ tools and link them directly on how you can reduce the cyber risk related to the human factor, both as a preventive risk mitigation strategy, but also when, if you are in the recovery phase. There are financial institutions that already have been bridged and they are implementing, hopefully, lessons learned. So it's more going to resonate from a recovery perspective. But there are others who perhaps have not experienced a serious breach that impacted their business continuity in the sense that lost customer data or exposed financial data, which is happening, you still read it on the news on a weekly basis, if not daily sometimes, and they can look at it from a preventive risk mitigation strategy 
in both cases, even if you have been breached, you can still apply it as a preventive measures. In general, organizations who have been breached are stronger in the prevention measures because they have felt the pain. So with that said, before I start sharing the four scenarios, cyber scenarios, and how you can use emotional intelligence tools specifically, let me first start by understanding that it is not a question of convincing people. When you try to convince people, often you come from a place, I know this is a high risk, perhaps John, in your case, and this has serious impact. So you need to understand it from my perspective. And when you're talking to your CIO or to your CEO, understand that they have a different map of the world. They have many different competing priorities as you do, but they are different of nature and that influences their ability to be receptive to what you are saying, especially if you are talking a, a different language, so very technical and B, if they don't understand how it relates to business risk or business disruption in specific. So let me give you an example. If you're talking to your chief information officer, one of the contentious point often between CIOs and CISOs is the CIO in general focuses or is required to keep the competitive technology edge. It provides IT support to help increase the technology experience, the user experience to be more innovative together with the CTO as well. It's more risk tolerant. It is less concerned with how can we keep it as safe as possible, perhaps by limiting any technological innovations versus the security team. And in your case is we need to reduce the speed the technology develops and make put more due diligence in it from a security perspective in order to reduce the risk of malware installed in mobile devices or perhaps a bug that causes a lack of updates and thus make the software on mobile apps more vulnerable or the way that employees use technology in-house and how vulnerable they are making it by blurring the line between their VPN network and their Gmail, for example very common phenomena that is occurring in a lot of organizations is that when employees feel pressured, when you work in sales or when you work in marketing and your VPN is not working or your professional network is not working, you email it to your Gmail, which is then on the cloud, which is not secure. And often they're not going to share it because the fear of missing out on deadline is that emotion is stronger than the common sense about the risk they are putting it out there. Don't try to convince anyone. Instead, understand their map of the world, which takes some effort and investment in reflection practices. This is one of my main objectives with this podcast, to reduce organizational blindness, to build bridges, and to also equip different STEM leaders with the right map of the world in order to bring about change positive change that will last. I hope then that today's episode will help you, John, and anyone who can resonate with John to look, use the EQI 2.0 model or the EQ tools that I will be sharing 
as a framework to explain the people risk that has a direct co correlation with the business bottom line because it causes a disruption on business continuity. So with that said, let's get right into it. Case study one, imagine this scenario that you work at a regional bank and uh, your bank is currently experiencing a cyber crisis as a result of phishing attack. So a phishing attack led to unauthorized access to customer data and even potential financial losses. You don't know yet because there's no situational awareness as you're still in the initial stages of navigating this data breach. Now, the relevant tools that you can use here in order to further mitigate the risk and help you navigate the crisis as effectively as possible are the EQ tools of self-awareness, empathy, and impulse control. So self-awareness helps and ensures employees can understand their own emotions and triggers when facing potential phishing attacks. It helps them recognize and managing their emotions and avoid falling for scams. Even if you're already in the midst of navigating the cyber crisis because someone clicked on a phishing attack, it is important both in prevention strategy, prevention risk mitigation measures, and recovery. When it comes to prevention is if you help and train your employees to become emotionally self-aware, when they, for example, feel fear because they have to meet a deadline or because they had a bad night of sleep and their body energy deficit is lower, which creates a general feeling, not necessarily emotion. In one of my first episodes, I explained this difference. They are more likely and more susceptible to fall for these phishing attacks. So trading in emotional self-awareness can help reduce the risk, not prevent, because there's always a percentage that will keep on clicking, but already you can reduce the risk. When you are navigating, so as a prevention or damage control, often what cyber criminals do when they get a foot in the door, they always try to get foot in other rooms as well by opening the door. So emotional self-awareness is absolutely critical because if employees feel stressed, fear, panicked, they are more likely to react on impulse, on the emotion of fear, than on the emotion of reason. And this is why training your employees, bringing awareness to this aspect in a psychological safe way. So gamification methods are excellent ways. Team building training, not specifically dedicated only to this, but integrated in your team meetings, in your general trainings as an integration of the work. So it also is not seen as something additional they have to do. So the second tool is empathy, training your employees to be more empathetic with your customers during the crisis. So imagine your employees, if they already are, especially those in customer service or customer interfacing functions, so it can be customer service, but also often it's account managers as well who are dealing with their customers. The customers are already experiencing emotions of anxiety, worry, uncertainty. They've been hacked. They don't know what's going on. The first thing they will worry about is their financial data. This also, the crisis also puts pressure on the people who have customer-facing responsibilities. And if both sides' emotions are high, you tend to react, people tend to react based on the emotion, not necessarily on the empathy. So. Empathy is a skill 
and not everyone is born with it. And even if you're born with it, I'm an emotional intelligence consultant and coach, and I often fail to demonstrate empathy when I am really focused or when I feel stressed. So this is a human reaction. It is something that you can train yourself to switch, but to become aware in order to continue in trust building and confidence building activities with your stakeholders, especially with your customers. And then the third one is impulse control. How can you more as a prevention uh, measure, but also during uh, the, the actual crisis as a recovery measure, develop training programs that emphasize the importance of resisting the urge to click on links or open attachment and suspicious emails. So again, this goes back in the resisting to reacting based on impulse and more on reason. Now, this can be an individual targeted training program, but also more of a cultural change. One of the biggest challenges is email culture. A lot of organizations still use email as primary means of communication. And if your employees are taught or are conditioned to, to be addicted to the notification button because their boss is, is going to email and they need to be alert, this actually increases the risk of falling for phishing attacks. So this is case study one. Let's move to the other three because otherwise we're running out of time. The case study two is a ransomware attack on a fintech startup. And imagine you work in a fintech startup and you are facing significant downtime and financial losses due to a ransomware attack, which encrypted your data. So the relevant tools here are problem solving, stress tolerance, and flexibility. Problem solving cultivates a problem solving mindset among employees, which enables them to identify potential vulnerabilities and address them proactively. It encourages collaboration and innovation, finding solutions to prevent ransomware, but in a psychological safe space. Because when you do this in a reactive mode and emotions influence the way we see the world and we solve problems. Some people have low levels of problem solving skills. It doesn't mean they are unable to solve problems, but it means that they are easier influenced by their emotions when solving problems. Now you can only imagine that low levels uh, being reduced when they feel stress or pressure. People who have higher levels of problem solving skills are more able to be objective and not allow their emotions cloud their judgment. But again, when they feel stress and pressure, then this may change and reduce their low levels. So exercising this as part of your team collaboration as an everyday process will strengthen that muscle, that problem-solving muscle under pressure. And when a crisis hits, it is, it's a muscle. It's not something that you have to learn from scratch. Stress tolerance, this is a really important one during and when navigating a, a cyber crisis and even as a recovery measure. So developing a culture of resilience, providing employees with resources and support to manage stress during cyber incidents. This is why well-being programs are so important. It's not fluff. It is directly related to the business bottom line because when your employees feel healthier, have a higher quality of life at work, you have higher stress tolerance level, 
and they will be better able to help you to minimize the risk of business disruption and lose all your profits during a cyber attack. Flexibility, especially when, you know, one of, the, so there's an advantage and there's a disadvantage of being a startup or a small, medium business uh, enterprise in the current digital age. The disadvantage is that often small, medium enterprise and startups don't have the same infrastructure or resources or capacity, or they don't see the need as big corporation to have a very solid, resilient cyber risk profile. They don't necessarily have the same requirements or the resources to invest, which makes them even more vulnerable to cyber attacks. And especially if you work in the service as a software industry business, SaaS, fintech especially as well, you're more vulnerable. However, the advantage that you have as, and I'm talking to SMEs and startups, you are much more leaner in your bureaucratic process than large corporations. So your ability to adapt to the changing regulatory environment, to the changing technology, to, you know, you, the people that are working for you, their flexibility levels can match the internal flexibility, the systemic flexibility, the processes, policies, because they're not so rigid or cemented and ingrained as when you're looking at a large corporation. These three are important, problem solving, stress tolerance, and flexibility. Now let's look at case study three. Uh, if you work at a credit union and you're dealing with insider threat, before I dive into it, I'm very excited. In the next weeks, I will have my first special guest who is a security expert, keynote speaker. Uh, she's well-known and an authority in this domain. And we're going to look at the insider threat specifically. So I'm very excited to share that soon. But imagine you work in a credit union and you suffered a data breach caused by a disgruntled employee who leaked sensitive information. This is another reason why the well-being of employees is so important, because not only can you reduce the risk, but also you can have more loyal employees who will raise the red flag early on and not when it's too late. Relevant EQ tools, interpersonal relations, emotional expression, and assertiveness. And when it comes to interpersonal relations, you can, you, have, you can use it to encourage a culture of trust, collaboration, and open communication and reduce the likelihood of insider threats. Building strong relationships among employees can help you, as I mentioned, lead to early detection. They feel safe and they feel social responsibility, a personal responsibility to ring the alarm without fear for repercussion early on. And this is why it's important to the second EQ tool, emotional expression, to allow emotional expression is creating a psychological safe environment for employees to express their emotions and concern. Now, if you are having a culture, if people make mistakes or report mistakes and uh, whether they have committed unintentional, because you also have unintentional insider threat, then you can be assured that very few people are going to report their error and going to hide it under the rug. And then weeks or months later, you are discovering a DUS attack that has been going on for months and your systems are deeply infected already uh, and the mitigation measures are becoming very slim. So emotional expression in creating psychological safe environments for employees to come forward without feeling judged is critical to reduce unintentional insider threat. And then the third is 
assertiveness, which is essential in reducing intentional insider threat. Because when you build the healthy levels of assertiveness within your culture, within employees' collaboration and communication practices, then people will feel more inclined, more at ease in speaking up when they see red flags. They will be less caught up in groupthink, but they will see, hmm, something is off here. I will speak up anyway. Maybe it's something, maybe it's not. But then you as a security team or security officer can assess whether it is an intentional insider threat by looking at the access details, historical details, etc. Then you can do all the technical stuff in order to trace back whether it is actually intentional or in unintentional. And creating this culture is important without making people feel that they are disloyal towards their colleagues or uh, disloyal towards the company. You want to create a culture of loyalty towards the company by building strong relationships and providing a high quality of work within the organization. And when we look at smaller, medium enterprises, this is often easier to do because, again, the bureaucracy is not as cemented or it's a more of a flat organization. Often it depends also on leadership. But when we look at big financial institutions, it, then it depends on the manager of the team as well. But often the bureaucracy is, prevents in creating this open culture. And yet it's important that financial institutions, any institution in the world, moves towards a more people-centric organization. And then the last is case study four. So this is imagining a credential theft at an insurance brokerage if you work there. And the incident would be an insurance brokerage experienced a cyber attack where employee credentials were stolen, leading to unauthorized access to company systems. The three relevant EQ tools here are optimism, self-regard, and reality testing. Optimism is important to foster proactive attitudes towards cybersecurity encouraging employees to stay positive and motivated in the face of potential trust. You and also using optimism to help Nadia improve her articulation ability when she is speaking to her audience. I hope some, I, I hope I'm making you feel more receptive and comfortable to my Dutch humor. If not, I do apologize in advance. Celebrating successes and learn from failures with a growth forward mindset thinking. Now, there, I had a training the other day and I was telling my participants that there is this one case study where the chief information security officer is celebrating when someone clicks on a phishing attack and comes forward and say it. The whole team celebrated. So the initial reaction of my the, the training participants were like, what this man or this woman, I didn't specify gender, is out of their mind. Why would they celebrate a vulnerability? And I said, it's brilliant because what does this do? It shows that it's safe to report errors and incidents early on without feeling judged or wronged. And this is the key. It's not prevention. It's not about eradicating. It is impossible to eradicate cyber incidents in the digital age. Any service provider who tells you that they can eradicate 100% cyber incidents is purely after your money and is not credible. It is impossible. However, you can reduce 
the risk and you can reduce the residual risk. And if you have a culture where people feel more encouraged and not ashamed of reporting their errors early on, imagine that not only will you be able to activate your mitigation measures, but you will learn so much in changing the way you implement security to meet the user's experience by incorporating how they think and act, right? The behavioral aspect in a very reflective way, not waiting until S hits the fan. So this is why optimism is so important to transform cybersecurity as something that is dark, technical, only for experts, but as a social responsibility within the company and as a, as a collective responsibility in improving, continuously improving your organizational risk profile. I get very passionate when I speak about this. I, I love speaking about this and helping people with this as well. Reality testing. During the cyber crisis, it's important to foster reality testing, separate fiction from fact, because otherwise you'll have a lot of headless chickens running around acting out of fear or projection instead of what is going on. So providing employees with accurate information about the ongoing credential identity theft and the risk associated is key. So people know what to do and how to do it. And in, as part of a solid incident response plan, it should have been exercised beforehand. When you are navigating a crisis, we turn into our primitive behavior because of the stress. It's not the time to have ethical discussions or to worry about the, uh, the personal skills of collaboration because you're more in the mode of using all your mental, your physical energy to remove the danger or to contain the danger and anything else seen as secondary. And this is important to understand why these simulations, not only technical simulations are important, but the people aspect, the emotional aspect of collaboration and coordination and communication under crisis, under pressure, and in high adverse environment is important. And then the last one is self-regard. This goes back to the previous case study as well. How can you reward and recognize your employees for developing a strong cyber hygiene culture? Make cyber exciting. Use talent, incorporate it in your talent management reward system. And don't make it only a technical concept or a, a, a techie thing that cyber is. Include your other departments. Maybe you can have even duo awards where you have the person who is on your cybersecurity team or your IT team working together on a specific challenge. You can have monthly challenges with someone who is not related to cybersecurity in any shape or form. And together they are working on specific challenges and helping you with new ideas and reducing the cyber risk. And whoever has the best idea can get a reward. And then you really, you use and merge those different disciplines as, as working towards a common business goal. Cyber is not only an IT issue, it's not, it's a business responsibility. When your data is compromised, business suffers on the reputational damage, on the regulatory damage, on the trust and confidence dimension, internal as well. So it is a business risk disruption.
Now, with that said, this episode was a bit longer than I expected, but I wanted to give very practical examples of four scenarios on how you can use the EQ tool to reduce the risk and also communicate it from this perspective. As always, if you want to get access to the reflection prompts and, and more in-depth keynote, key messages, not keynote, Nadia, sign up to uh, my newsletter. I will be putting everything in the leadership community soon and share how you can access that. If you just want the highlights of the episode, you can shine. You can shine as well. Shine your light, right? You can follow my page, Thrive with EQ, and sign up to the newsletter where I share a high-level summary of the episodes. As always, thank you for listening, and I look forward to next episode. Bye. Thank you for tuning into the EQ Emotional Intelligence Elevator Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's episode and gained valuable insights into the world of emotional intelligence. To learn more about Thrive with EQ and Nadia's mission to build stronger, more resilient workplaces through higher levels of emotional intelligence, visit our website at thrivewitheq.com. You'll find a plethora of EQ leadership resources, tools, and services to help you and your organization thrive. Thank you again for listening. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, and share with your friends and colleagues. As always, keep thriving with EQ.